grace to you, peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. You receive that? Amen. Amen. We'll be in the book of Matthew. And last week, Brother Jason preached this sermon. So if I mess up, just refer back to his sermon. Amen. <laughs> book of Matthew. At our church, Calvary Baptist Church in Grand Guave, Haiti, I've been preaching through that book and has also been our Bible study book. And uh, when I left, we were still in chapters, chapter 8, uh, so I'm preaching a message uh, that I've preached uh, to my people and pray that God would use it to, to bless your souls this morning. There is no sacrifice too great. There is no sacrifice too great. A book of Matthew, I call all of the four Gospels Jesus' biographies. And Matthew, uh, the first one, as chronicled in our Bibles, is a biography of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. Um, so if you want to know Christ, read, read his biographies so that you can know who he is as Matthew in the first four chapters really want us uh, to know and see him as Messiah, see him as king, see him as the son of the living God, see him as God himself, uh, see him as the one who has a prophetic ministry. Uh, though the book of Matthew is a lot about Jesus Christ, but it has a heavy emphasis on discipleship, on discipleship. So when we enter the book of Matthew, it's as if we're coming or going to Jesus' school of discipleship. Matthew really wants us to know how to follow and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So with the title, There is No Sacrifice Too Great, that's one of the lessons that Matthew wants every believer to know, uh, that when it comes to following the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no sacrifice too great. The word sacrifice means exactly the meaning that I know most of you think that it has. Uh, sacrifice is really giving up something for someone that you really love. Uh, it could be a thing. It could be a perspective. Uh, uh, it could be a way of living. But you are consciously choosing to give something up because of the love that you have for a person or a thing. Now, there, there can be joy in sacrifice, even though sacrifice is hard. In the year 2000, um, 2009, I was engaged to Nicole Johnson. I needed a job so that I could purchase a ring for Nicole Johnson. 
I needed the job so that if Nicole Johnson wanted to stop working, that she could come home and I would be able to provide for us. And the job that the Lord provided was through the probation department, Los Angeles County. I hated that job. <laughs> hated the job. Uh, anyone here have jobs that you don't particularly like and pretty much dreading Monday? I hated the job. I was a detention service officer, so I worked with juveniles that uh, were troubled. I had no problem with them. I had issues with the staff uh, because our philosophy and approach to the work was so different. Uh, my approach was let's not treat them like gangbangers. Let's treat them like human beings. And their approach was if you don't treat them like gangbangers, you're not going to go home. Or if you do go home, you will go home crippled. So I hated that job. But every morning, from 5 o'clock in the morning, I would leave our apartment, and I would get in my car and drive, and I would have joy in my heart, though I hated the job, and the job was difficult. But I would have joy in my heart because of the love that I have for Nicole. The, the it was true sacrifice. I was doing something that I did not enjoy doing. But yet there was joy because for whom I was doing it for. So the reality, saints, is living in Haiti is hard. Living in Haiti is difficult. But there's a great sense of joy that I get when I live in Haiti. Why? I'm serving the king. I'm serving Jesus, my Lord, and this is exactly what he would have me to do. So there is no sacrifice too great. So in serving the Lord Jesus Christ, if there's one thing that you could think about and say, hmm, that's, uh, that's too much. I know that's what the Lord is asking, but that's can't do it. You need to question your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to question how much do you love Christ, or better yet, how much do you know Christ? Because to know him is to love, is to love him. So let's look at our text. Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 22. Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 22. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. Uh, then a scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, Permit me to first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. Now there's 
we are in Jesus' school of discipleship, and there's four lessons, four lessons that I think the Lord would have us learn from Matthew 8, verses 18 to 22. And it all concerns Christ-centered discipleship. Christ-centered discipleship. And here's the first lesson. As we pursue and engage in Christ-centered discipleship, we must know that quality is better than quantity. That quality is better than quantity. Number two, as we engage in Christ-centered discipleship, we must know and understand that the call for sacrifice is for all followers of Christ. No matter who you are, if you are a follower of Christ, he is calling you to give up your life for him. Number three, as we engage in Christ-centered discipleship, we must know that Christ is the model disciple. If we want to know how can I be a good disciple of God, how can I be a good disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, all you have to do is look to Christ. Look to him. And lastly, Christ-centered discipleship prioritize prioritize the spiritual over the physical. Christ-centered discipleship prioritize the physical over uh, prioritize the spiritual over the physical. First, let's look at our first point. Quality is better than quantity. Quality is better than quantity. So, um, it's not a, quantity is not a bad thing. Um, I want River City Grace to grow numerically. Right, Sam? Sam does the numbers, right? Every Sunday. Uh, Sam gives a count of how many people were present, and that's a good thing. Uh, quantity is important. Quantity should be valued, but if you have the option to choose, do you want quantity or quality concerning discipleship? I think quality is the choice. I think quality is the correct choice. And let me try to show you this in our text. That quality is better than quantity. The first way we can see this is if we consider the meaning of the term disciple. Second, if we consider how Matthew uses the word teacher. And third, we can look at Jesus' response to these two would-be disciples. So firstly, the Greek term mathetis which is translated disciple, means a follower, often a disciple who is a believer and close follower, though other less committed relationships are indicated. So the implication here, saints, is that when we read Matthew's gospel, every time we see the reference disciple is not necessarily referring to one who is a genuine believer and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That there were some in the crowd listening to the teaching of Jesus Christ, and those who are not part of the crowd would refer to them as a disciple. 
but yet they were not a genuine believer or a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. So in the crowd, though we could see a great quantity, but there were few quality disciples in the crowd. So here, we should always ask ourselves, what kind of a disciple am I? Am I part of the crowd to just boost up the numbers? Or am I a quality disciple? Am I a genuine follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? A second way we can see that Christ values quality over quantity is the way that Matthew uses the term teacher or those who refer to Jesus as teacher. And Matthew shows us that there were, especially the Pharisees, that would often refer to Jesus as teacher, but yet they were not genuine believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you could be part of the crowd and, and view Jesus as a wonderful, masterful teacher, but you are not yet a true, a genuine disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of disciple are you? Thirdly, and the clearest way is that we can see that Jesus values quality over quantity is if we consider his response to these two would-be followers of, of him. He first tells one, the scribe, that foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, in our Bible study discussion back in the church of Dono, a young man, when we read that verse, he just said, Pastor? This Jesus is unbelievable. The man just wants to follow him. Why is he making it so hard and so difficult? Because Jesus wants quality disciples. If you consider the, the second would-be disciple, that's legitimate. Permit me first to go and bury my father. Really, Jesus? Let the dead bury the dead? That's your response to this man who wants to follow you again. Jesus wants quality. So what kind of a disciple are you? Are you just part of the numbers? Or can you say, no, I'm, I'm a quality disciple. I am genuinely following the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve him and to follow him, there is no sacrifice too great. Number two, if we are the disciples of Jesus Christ, the call for sacrifice is for everyone. For everyone. Uh, Sometimes uh, when we come and... We visit churches, and I just must say that this is one of my most favorite place to come to. Not because I necessarily get to preach, but I so enjoy the worship. And I know preaching is worship as well, but your singing, your scripture readings, your prayers, 
It really just prepares my heart to preach and proclaim God's word to you. As, as we travel these different churches and we're trying to raise support to support the Bible Institute of Grand Guave and to buy resources and to pay staffs, etc., and people will look at me and say, wow, I just admire you, Willio, because I just would not be able to do that, to do what you do. I mean, what a sacrifice. And I pray for all of you who may see me like that. Why? Because I'm just a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ like you. Christ has called me to serve him in Haiti. But Christ is also calling you to serve him somewhere. And Christ is also calling you to give up certain things for him. So the, the call for sacrifices is for all believers, not just full-time missionaries and full-time pastors. Sometimes I dare say that some of you who, who work five days, six days a week amongst a group of non-believers, you perhaps have the greatest call to offer up your life as a living sacrifice for Christ, to serve him, to represent him. So how do we see this in our text, that Christ is calling everyone? I just want you to, to consider Jesus' response to the scribe. The scribe looks at Jesus, and he says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Now we need to understand who a scribe is. Uh, the Greek term, grammateus, it means a learned man in the Torah. A rabbi, an ordained theologian. Sociologically, the rabbis were the direct successors of the prophets. Men who knew the divine will and proclaimed it in instruction, judgment, and preaching. Now, one would think that Jesus would look at this man and he would say, What an opportunity! I have a scribe. I have a trained theologian. I have a pastor, Greg Stover, who wants to follow me. I have an abled man. I have a noble man. Yes, yippee! But Jesus looks at Pastor Greg Stover and says, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It's like, Pastor Greg, you look like a man who's used to the finer things of life. <laughs> you look like a man who is well-dressed. You look like a man who hangs out with the right kind of people. Would you follow me if you don't have a comfortable place to sleep? Would you follow me if you have to give up your prestige, your honor? So Jesus is calling this great man. If you're going to follow me, there are certain things you may have to give up. Are you willing to give them up? So from the angle that 
this is someone that both me and you would probably say, come join the team. And Jesus is saying, before you join the team, count the cost. Are you ready to give certain things up? And that's, that call of sacrifice is to everyone who would say, Lord, I will follow you. Not just the man who is well-educated, but even the man who is poorly educated not just the man who has much wealth but even the man who has very little wealth jesus is calling everyone who wants to follow him to make sacrifices and there should be no sacrifice that is too too great number three jesus christ is the model disciple jesus christ is the model disciple and we can see this with just the title that Jesus uses to refer to himself. He calls himself the Son of Man. The Son of Man. Uh, this, this title, the Son of Man, is all over the book of Ezekiel. So in some way, Jesus could be referring to himself as one like the prophet Ezekiel. But we see this title, and my favorite reference of this title is in the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, if you, if you don't mind turning there with me. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven... One like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So Jesus, this is, this is the promised Messiah. This is the promised king. This is the one whom would have the everlasting kingdom. This is the son of man. But she had to understand our text even better we can look at a third reference of the son of man john chapter 3 verse 13 jesus is speaking with nicodemus and in verse 13 he says no one has ascended into heaven but he who descended from heaven the son of man so if we think, if we connect this thought in terms of where did the Son of Man come from? The Son of Man came from heaven. He came from heaven. So the weightiness of verse 20 has to be connected if we understand where did Jesus come from? This Jesus who has no place to lay his head, where did he come from? He came from heaven. He sacrificed heaven so that he would do the will of his father. Jesus is the model disciple. 
he's the one that we look to. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus has shown us how to serve God the King. There was no sacrifice too great for Jesus. He gave up heaven to be one like you and me so that he could serve the master, so that he could serve the master. So whenever we think, is there a sacrifice too great? Look to Jesus. Was there a sacrifice too great for him to serve God the Father? He is the perfect leader. He's not calling us to do something that he himself did not do. Jesus gave it all up to serve God. And we must do the same if we are to call ourselves true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the model disciple. Don't look to me. Don't even look to Pastor Greg. Look to Jesus. That's your capital T-H-E example for following Christ, for serving God. Last but not least, Christ-centered discipleship prioritized the spiritual over the physical. And we see this with this second would-be disciple. Lord, permit me to go and bury my father. Jesus is saying parents don't matter. In Matthew 15, Jesus will repeat from the Torah the importance to honor your mother and father. So that's not what Jesus is saying. But Jesus is basically telling this man, give up the world's system. Give up the world's way of thinking. The world's way of thinking would say, before I come to serve you, before I follow you, let me get my things in order, like my physical things in order. I don't know about you, but in the country of Haiti, there are many who have this perspective. I will give the rest that I have to Jesus. And they have this perspective on life. Like while I'm young... While I'm strong, let me just do all that I want to do. And in my last days, when I'm old and gray, I could give Jesus the rest. That is not a biblical perspective. That is not a godly perspective. That is a worldly perspective. And the reason that the world will think like that is because they don't know Jesus. Because to know God is to serve him, is to love him, and to view him as the greatest thing. No sacrifice too great. So Jesus is telling this man, focus on your spiritual life. How? He says, let the dead bury the dead. 
A physical dead cannot bury a physical dead. But a spiritually dead person can bury a physically dead person. You see it? Value the spiritual more than the physical. And there's a long list of application in terms of how would this look if I were to value the spiritual more than the physical. Right off when you get out of bed, what do you do? Do you pray? Do you think at some point in, at some point on this day, I need to read God's word so that I can feed myself spiritually? Do at some point in life when you're, when you're making decisions, because sometimes I often tell uh, brothers and sisters in Christ that every single Christian ought to think like a missionary. If you were to receive news that the destines are leaving the mission field, all of you would think, wow, I hope they prayed about that. I hope that they considered whether or not this is exactly what God would have them do. I hope they sought counsel. I hope they, they prayed through the scriptures. Brothers and sisters, that should be the thought for each and every one of us. If you're getting ready to leave Sacramento, I hope you prayed through that. I hope you considered God's word. I hope you sought counsel. I hope you began to think, is, does the Lord want me to leave Sacramento? Does the Lord want me to leave this church? Does the Lord want me to leave this job? Every Christians ought to think like missionaries. Because God is calling all of us to live for him. My life verse is Romans 12 verse 1. And Romans 12 verse 1 comes at the hills after Paul has explained the gospel fully. And then he says, if, if you really understand what I've been telling you from chapters 1 through 11, there's only one option. There's only one thing to do. Offer up your life as a living sacrifice. Offer up your life as a living sacrifice. You know the joke between the chicken and the hog. And they're coming up River City Grace and they see uh, prayer breakfast. And the chicken looked at the hog and said... Let's go give an offering. And the hog said, well, for you it would be an offering, but for me it would be a sacrifice. That's bacon and eggs they're, saved, they're serving. <laughs> and that's what Paul, and God's word, he's calling all of us to be pigs. A living, a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. All of us, we think like missionaries. We prioritize the spiritual over the physical. The decision should not always be how big is the salary? How big is the house? What kind of car will I be able to drive? The decision should be do I have a local church there? Will my soul be, be fed? Will I serve the Lord better there? Will I glorify Christ more if I make this move? All of us should think like missionaries, always prioritizing the spiritual over, over the physical. So a true converted disciple or follower of Jesus Christ will be a quality disciple. You will not just be a number in a crowd. You will know Jesus and Jesus will know you. 
You will serve, you will serve him faithfully. He will matter. And all decisions that you make, you will consider him. You will value him. And it will be a joy to sacrifice for his name's sake. If you are a genuine follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will know that each day, Christ, what are you calling me to give up? What are you calling me to walk away from? Is there anything that's hindering me from walking with you faithfully and serving you all the way? If you are a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will constantly look to Jesus, the model disciple, who gave everything up so that he could serve his father. And if you are a genuine follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will always value. You will continually seek to value the spiritual over the physical. To close, uh, John Piper. John Piper, favorite Christian theologian, one of my favorite. And what's, what's John Piper model phrase? God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And a word picture for that phrase is August Wilson has a play entitled Fences. I read that play when I was a junior in high school, which uh, James L. Jones played the movie, and then I think modern times Denzel Washington uh, played the main uh, character on the movie Fences. And there's a scene between father and son where the son looks at his father and he says, do you, do you love me? And the father looks at him and says, boy, what kind of question is that? Do I love you? Do you have clothes in your back? I was like, yes. Do you have a place to lay your head? Yes. Like, why do you think I do that for you? And the son's probably thinking, because you love me? And the dad's like, no, boy. It's my duty. I do it because that's what I'm supposed to do. It's my duty as your father. And the boy was sad. Because why? He's saying that his dad does not, does not love him. So here's the point, saints. When we think about serving the Lord Jesus Christ and sacrificing to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, we must never do it out of duty. It must always be motivated by our love for our master, Lord, Savior, and King, Jesus the Christ. So whatever the sacrifice a God may be calling you to make for him, just know the motivation ought to be, wow, I love my Savior so much. This will be hard. This will be difficult. But what a joy to serve the King. What a joy to serve the King. Let's pray. Father, grant us grace to love you more each day. Grant us grace to know you more each day. And grant us grace to serve you because we love and cherish you. In Jesus' name we pray.